0: You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now here's your host, Brian Matias and me, Sharky James. So Brian, here we are. Episode 41.
1: We have unquadrajidtepatepatepateba. I can't say it. It's way too hard. Nailed it. Yeah, first try. Unquadra I can't It's it's this is insane. I can't wait till we get through the 40s because the, the oh my God, 50s is even harder. I'm telling number 54, I'm looking at it, I, I think it has close to 30 letters, 30 characters in it.
0: Wow. Well, you graduated from college, so I expect a lot from you.
1: Yeah, but you know what? This is a tough one to pronounce. Unquadra, I, oh man, I can't. I keep uh, tripping myself up. Unquadra, I can't get to it.
0: Again, this is so fascinating for an audience of photographers, not linguists.
1: Hey, listen, I want someone to look up 41 in a tuple and see if they can say it.
0: It's craziness. I'm not even going to try to do it. All right. Anyways, tell us what's on the show today.
1: Sharky, we have got just a good old fashioned, you know, gear talk episode because so two episodes ago, episode 39, we talked about the Nikon Z series that came out uh, and uh, I think we we really kind of dove deeply <laughs> specifically into the fact that it only has one card slot slot gate slot gate exactly uni uni slot gate but or solo slot gate but uh since then we've actually had some some pretty exciting uh launches announcements from Canon and Fuji most recently and then there's rumors with Panasonic so I think it's worth us you know just kind of talking about what uh, what's been going on in the industry with gear and specifically because these are all now mirrorless announcements it's not like canon announced a 5d mark V type of thing they're they're going into mirrorless just like nikon and uh, everyone of course is comparing it to uh, the 800 pound gorilla which is sony in the mirrorless space so so that's that's going to be our episode sharky i think there's more than enough to talk about
0: just wait a couple weeks from now when Photokina in Germany happens, we're going to have even more. So there's a lot coming. Yeah.
1: Have you been to Photokina?
0: I have not even been to Germany. So that's a no. Oh, uh,
1: so I went to Photokina for the first time. Uh, to, so Photokina is the world's largest kind of like photo trade show. Happens every two years in Cologne, Germany.
0: Used to happen every two years. It's now yearly. So, oh, as of when? They've, as of like last year.
1: Wait, so Photokina was last year too? Yeah. I was not aware of that.
0: It's yearly now, or maybe it was the, maybe it's this year is the first year, but they've gone to yearly because okay. there's so much happening. They just decided to make it a yearly thing.
1: I don't think, yeah, I don't, I think that this year must be the first year because I just did a quick Google search for Photokina 2017 and I don't see anything. But uh, the the thing is, yeah, Photokina is massive. I mean, it is gigantic. And the thing that bums me out about Photokina, I know this is not about gear per se. Well, it kind of is. I don't know if it's a, a, a country law, but in Germany, you cannot buy anything at a trade show. Uh, and, and the things that were, I remember when I was there, I was there when I was working at Wacom and we had a booth. And so I walked around and. John Wilkes. Oh my God. John oh, gosh, Wilkes booth. Yes. All
0: right. No more dad jokes. For the no, end no, no, of no. Episode. I, I got that one, actually. <laughs> I got that one. Derailed. All right. Go ahead. You couldn't <laughs> buy anything in Germany.
1: Well, because there were some, there were vendors there that were selling some pretty cool things. And I knew that if I didn't pick it up there, I wasn't going to buy it later on. Uh, so that was kind of a bummer, but uh, all things considered, uh, Photokina is awesome. And I'm, I agree with you that a lot of times if it's a Photokina a year, so again, whenever every other year, companies would wait um, to announce big stuff. Then I guess Canon and Nikon and Fuji decided that they wanted to kind of control the, their own press events. So. They did it themselves. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what PhotoKina does. And just for those of you who are in the U.S., uh, in the U.S., the, large, the country's largest uh, photo trade show is PhotoPlus Expo. That's usually towards the end of October around the Halloween time or just past it um, in New York City at the Javits Center. And that's if you have an opportunity to go and you haven't been, I highly recommend it, even if you just go to the expo floor Tons of photographers go there. Uh, It's a great place to network. It's a great place to kind of interact with uh, vendors that you like. I'm a big fan of, I've always been a big fan of Photo Plus more than any other trade show.
0: Just don't dress up and you're not going to get any candy. So uh, no no matter what time of year it is, there might be pumpkin spice something or other, but that's about it.
1: Oh, that's already starting to come, Sharky. I mean, if you, I was at Home Depot today and they had these giant end caps with Halloween like um, animatronics, like this I mean, they're getting every year they're getting like bigger and badder, like this huge, like werewolf thing and and had a foot pedal. So if you stepped on it, it animated the, the werewolf.
0: And, you know, one of the stated reasons, I think, for photo Kina going yearly was exactly what you said. Canon and Nikon and Sony and all the others are coming out with cameras and lenses at such a, a quick clip. That they have to do that, otherwise they kind of get, you know, they kind of yeah. risk becoming irrelevant, and then people just doing their own thing all the time. So,
1: yeah, and I mean, we've got at the time of this recording, Apple's supposed to be announcing new iPhones in three days on the twelfth of September. Uh, new iPhones, I think, new iPads and stuff, which also kind of teeters on the photography side of things. I don't. All the rumors I've seen, nothing's. No one's really talking about the camera. And Apple really hasn't updated their the megapixel count of their cameras in, in several generations. I think it's always been 12 megapixels. Um, but they've got so much secret sauce going on behind the scenes that they're still, you know, seen as one of the best. Although I do still think that the Pixel 2 XL camera is is unreal. Neither here nor there. Sharky, let's talk about Canon and Fujifilm. So, well, let's start with Canon first. We have Canon here, EOS r uh, has been announced. It's been widely, I mean, it was, how was it? Uh, you might know this better than I did, but how was it in terms of the, the, the leaking in advance? Did, uh, did they leak that camera?
0: It didn't come out as far in advance as the Nikon leaks did, but, uh, over on canonrumors.com in the last week or so, they had some really solid stuff. They had some stuff that just didn't come true. Like somebody told them, they're like, we don't know. We only got one source on this. So it may be or may not be true. They said you'd be able to put your uh, EF glass or the new RF mount glass on there. There was one mount and it was like some kind of multi-adapter thing. And that just didn't happen. You have to, it's not an integrated thing. It was like, you can't even tell there's no adapter on there. You just mount it and it just, you know, so that didn't happen, but they mostly got it right. And it's an exciting camera. I used to shoot Canon back in the day. I've shot just about everything that's out there. As we know, I buy and sell my stuff whenever you know, try new gear. But this looks like a camera. If you shoot Canon DSLRs, this looks more like their DSLRs than the Nikon Z7 and Z6 look like a Nikon DSLR. So Canon was smart. I've been saying for years on the Petapixel Photography Podcast. There, I got it in like the first like 10 minutes or so. Plug, done. This looks a lot more like a DSLR. So You've got all these millions of DSLR users out there. They want something that fits their hand. They don't want these tiny town little things. And I've been saying that for years on the show. You want something that looks a lot like what you're used to. You know, Sony got the people who wanted smaller and lighter and something different. Right. And and a lot of people are like, this is a little too tiny town for my, and I'm 6'4". I have huge hands or 6'17", like you said. And, you know, if you add a grip to it, then it's more usable. I use my XT2 without a grip. That's fine. And my D850, for that matter, because that's a huge camera (laughs) as it is. But these mirrorless cameras are tiny. The EOS R, though, I think it's a great camera. I might just shoot Canon mirrorless instead. Nikon mirrorless is dead to me right now. Dead to me.
1: Beyond just the single card, there, there is there anything else about it that?
0: Well, this Canon EOS R has just one card slot as well. So we'll get into that briefly in a minute. But it's not the card slot thing. It's just. I don't think it's that interesting. I think the Canon EOS R is a way more interesting camera than the yes. Nikon. It, I there's think- some interesting things they've done to it that I think people are going to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to give that a try. If you're not in a system already, no one's going from Sony to Canon mirrorless or Nikon mirrorless right now. A couple of years from now, maybe. But right now, no one's making that move. If you do you should question every other decision you make in your life, because yeah. why would you go from a system that's fleshed out to something that's just starting? It makes no sense.
1: Well, I mean, I will say this about the, neither Nikon nor Canon, their first attempts, you know, well, it, to, to your point made, it gave me even for a second, a, a thought like, you know, hmm, maybe can I see myself going either back to Canon or switching over to Nikon? N- none. But I will say that in terms of, I guess, I don't even want to call it innovation because I don't think that it's very innovative. However, little things like with the Canon EOS R, how they they kind of took a nod to vloggers by giving you kind of a flip out high resolution touchscreen monitor, which I think is brilliant. You know, unlike Sony, which uh, kind of I know that Sony has been improving at least with like their RX line, like the RX one hundred six, um, the LCD, the articulation of the LCD, you can actually go like you know, in, in more degrees uh, flat. And, uh, ver- you know, basically, so if you want the camera above you, you can have the screen totally flat down and also upward, but it doesn't flip outward. Fuji has always been impressive because they, uh, they kind of think about shooters who shoot vertically. So when you're shooting with your camera vertically, the LCD can kind of pop out a little bit, which to me has always been such a brilliant thing. But in addition to the LCD, the thing, one little thing that, that they released send you, you know, speaking of adapters. So yeah, this is kind of a, you know, you can use all of Canon's lenses with an adapter. No surprise there. The same thing happened with Sony. The same thing happened with Nikon. You have to use an adapter. It's a different, uh, you know, the, the flange distance is different. Uh, It's just a, a different mount. But what I love about what Canon did, and I would love just to have this all together is they have these drop in filters, they have, a, they have a, an adapter that supports drop-in filters for a variable ND, which I'm on the fence with with variable NDs, but still, the opportunity is there. And then also circular polarizer, both of which, you know, you rotate. So the having the filter kind of sit in, in between the sensor plane and the rear element of the lens, as opposed to having to screw it on to the front of the lens, to me, that is a wonderful option. And that's the kind of stuff that I I, I was excited about.
0: But see here, okay, so that's cool. So it slides in, you know, from the side. And so you mount it to this little tray thing think like an old cd tray in your in your like desktop computer right so you slide it into there you screw it in or whatever and then uh you slide it into the adapter and then there's a dial and it's got like a plus and minus on it etc so but here's the thing though you can only use i believe one filter at a time correct and so a lot of people yourself you use multiple filters at the same time sometimes you need to double up on nd or maybe yes. you borrow something from your buddy and you know so then you have to screw it on the outside I, Okay, so right now, there's only four Canon RF mount native lenses for this system. And like you said, you can adapt. So most people right now, late 2018 and for the next year plus, are going to be adapting. Since you're going to be using most of your EF lenses, you're going to want the other adapter they have. There's one that just goes from straight EF and, and you know TSE and all that to the new RF mount. But then there's the filter one. And then there's the one I think is really interesting, the one that adds a control ring to it. So right. the new R- all RF mount lenses. And this is why Canon, in my opinion, is the better system right now if you're going mirrorless and you've never heard of Sony and hate Sony. <laughs> so take Sony off the table, but you should right. pick Sony. <laughs> Just go ahead and pick Sony. Yeah, yeah Fujifilm. Yeah. Take then one off the Fuji. table, but, but
1: really. Yeah. <laughs> and, Hide and, it under and, the table.
0: Yeah. And if you're if you're a snob against, you know, crop sensors and you forget about Fujifilm, then you want this control ring because any EF lens you put on it is gonna have a control ring via this adapter. New RF lenses will have it built in, so you'll be good to go with those native lenses and going forward. With that control ring, you're able to assign different functions to it, and it could be changing your ISO. It could be changing your aperture. It could be changing who knows how many different things. Instead of having to take your hand off the camera or put it on the camera and the, you know, with your left hand or whatever, you can keep your hand on the lens. You don't have to go fiddle around with your left hand to be doing stuff. You can assign that to uh, that ring. It's It's kind of like with the you know four hundred millimeter lenses and stuff. There's the button where you can stop you know autofocus, and you can assign that button to other things, etc. So this control ring adds functionality to your current Canon EF lenses. Like, why wouldn't you get that? That you've got the best of both worlds right there. You don't have to get RF glass yet. Going forward, you would get RF glass. In the meantime, you get the adapter, you're good to go.
1: Yeah, and they also have that multifunction bar, which as far as innovation goes, you know, where where, uh, Canon is rethinking how you interact with your camera. They're not just kind of, where I would say that's where Nikon went. Nikon went with a very kind of, traditional approach uh they they just tried to well they went with two different models with the z the z7 and the z6 but all together and canon just came out with one camera uh it, it is an interesting looking camera and you know spec wise it's okay it, it offers more for photographers and videographers. I will say that much. If you're into video, you're probably going to want to drive right past this one uh, and maybe wait for Sony's A7S Mark III, which is a uh, rumor to be announced soon. Uh, or look at, you know, you, you kind of also said uh, Fuji is actually making some really interesting moves in the video space uh, with their X-T3, which was just announced like two or three days ago from day of recording. Um, and so let's... I mean, okay, before we move on, because I do want to talk about Fuji, I, I will say that if we're comparing kind of, I guess, if you want to say apples to apples with regards to Canon's announcement, the lenses, the native lenses that they announced for this, what Nikon announced, and even what Sony announced, because Sony only announced a handful of lenses when the A7, the OG A7, then the A7R, they, they were announced at the same time, well, five years ago at this point almost. Um, I am very excited with what Canon did. They have some, they have this 3518 macro. With image stabilization, they've got a 50mm 1.2L.
0: Yeah, see here, okay, here's the thing. Both companies came out with a 1.8. The 512 l has been a highly lusted after top shelf classic lens that if you shoot Canon, you're like, oh, I really want one of those one twos. There's the 85 one, two and the 51, two. And they just said, all right, let's go ahead and do a 51, two off the bat. Let's really wow people. Yeah. But then, okay. So then there's the, you were saying it. You want me to just tell you the 24 to one Oh five F four, which is like my Sigma art 24 to one Oh five. It's a great walk around range, you know, focal lengthwise for shooting generally and stuff. You want a 24 to 70, 28 eight eventually but a 24 to 105 f4 will do it but the lens that i find the most exciting go ahead
1: and tell them what it is you're talking about the 28 to 70 f2 l
0: let's stop there for a second f2 mm-hmm. it's not a 24 to seven. who cares about those extra four millimeters get get back a little further get over it f2 if you agree. need light gathering power that's an exciting lens right there there was not an exciting lens that was announced by Nikon and they came out with a 24 to 70 f4 not even a 24 to 70 two eight, let alone an f2 that was just a massive fail right there
1: yeah and listen it's no surprise canon for a long time has been arguably really stepping up their game in the uh, the optics department with their lens availability, the options that they have, they've been doing a lot, and they're still doing a lot, uh, especially in the the super telephoto prime lenses. The, the Canon's always been kind of like king in that respect, in my opinion. There, they are. They've made some of the best. Like, it, 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 if anything, what is it the 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 Canon two hundred millimeter f two? If I remember correctly, yeah,
0: that's a, that's one that you know the bokeh is just it's gorgeous. It's also like six thousand dollars. It's lens. a very
1: expensive lens, but then again. Sony's was they have a four hundred millimeter that's like twelve thousand dollars that they just announced. So I mean, listen, I will say that if if I was a Canon shooter waiting for what Canon did, you have more reason to be excited than if you were a Nikon shooter. You know, waiting for what Nikon did. I, I think Nikon to uh, to be totally fair, I think both companies fell flat. But he, here's the thing, and this is something this is an argument I've made. Uh, online and uh, i've made it with with you with you and with other people uh, in person remember when sony first announced their a7 their a7r granted it was five years ago but they were plagued with issues let's not even look at the lens the the lens lineup that was miserable but you know their big thing at the time was well you can adapt you know you you have access to all of canons and sony's um their a mount lenses but they were plagued with all sorts of issues. The A7R had that loud clapping shutter sound. There were all sorts of motion issues. Overheating um, issues. Overheating issues. The battery, remember, the battery was tiny. And and it, they kind of fell into the same trope as uh, Canon Icon with wanting to make them so small. Uh, so I have uh, right here, um, I have the original, my original A7, I never bothered to sell it because I never felt the resale value was worth it. So what I did was I I had it sent in and converted to infrared. And so today I was walking around the neighborhood just because I just needed to clear my head and I didn't want to take a regular camera. So I took this infrared and it's the only, um, so I have an A7R Mark III and an A9, which have the larger cabinet. So it's a beefier camera with the larger battery. This is the original A7. And I forgot how uncomfortable you said it yourself. Smaller, lighter, that's kind of something that, it's a failed experiment. If you want smaller, lighter, you get go with like the 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 you know the rebel models or the a sixty the six thousand models um but it was so uncomfortable and it and it's just it was just i'm looking at it now and it's just it, it reminds me of just how much uh crap sony shooters who were loyal who who stuck around went through until the a seven three r three nine uh and hopefully soon the a seven s three you know where that is a mature that is to me and and i think ted forbes said it like Sony shows what mirrorless cameras are supposed to be. You know, if you want to, if you want this to kind of render down what a mirrorless camera, the best qualities of a mirrorless camera, look at Sony. With that said, I want us to move on Sharky to, to Fujifilm.
0: Before we get there, I want to say really sure, quick Sure, sure. is so just to put a fine point on it, the reason I'm di- and it's not like, Oh, boo hoo. I, you know, like I was really looking for that Nikon mirrorless system, even though I've been talking about it forever, just, you know, Because this is what I do, right? Sure. The fact that they went with the smaller and lighter trope, like you said. It is just so insane okay people have been giving me crap about the you know the not having dual memory cards in these cameras etc these are the same people that when sony had their original cameras complain oh you know my DSLR has two memory right. card slots what are sure. you going to do and now that because the fanboys are all like oh you, you don't know how to shoot i mean i've never had a memory card fail or a slot or whatever it's what whatever the fact that canon and nikon went smaller and lighter and didn't put a second card in there is just bizarre. Look what happened originally. One card slot in the Sonys. And what do they have now? They almost all have two. Fuji Films have two. Most of them have two. Canon and Icons DSLRs have two, even down to the, the consumer level now. And so knowing that, they added that because people wanted that. Why would they come out with Any camera, mirrorless or not, that has just one card slot. We all know that next time around, they're going to have two card slots. So why didn't you just do that now? You just got rid of all wedding shooters, anybody who absolutely needs that peace of mind, that second backup. If your only card slot dies, like we said last time, you don't have a camera. You know, it's just, it's stupid. So enough with the dual card slot. It's just the fact that they did that. And didn't put in a second card slot is just bizarre that they made that choice. Sure. The other thing you touched on it, just, you know, to use the pun, the touch bar, we didn't talk about what exactly it is right where your thumb goes, arguably close to where the AF on button should be. They put it more to the right. And I argue that that's going to give you a hand cramp because it's way over to the right. They had to make room. So to the right of the viewfinder, which everyone, by the way, the EVF, they say is excellent on the EOS R and the Z7, the Z6. Everybody's had their hands on it. The touch bar is this little, I don't know, maybe about an inch, inch and a half or so long little bar. Kind of think of the touch bar that's on the MacBook Pro, which is mostly useless. Yeah. This is actually going to be a killer feature because just like you can assign something to that uh that control ring, you can slide your finger across this thing, your thumb. And you can change focus points. You could change all kinds of, like just all kinds of stuff. Maybe not focus points, I think, because you have to go up and down. I don't know. You can change things with it quickly. And I no, think I- they did They did a better job, I think, they with, with the buttons and dials and everything. Yes. It just makes more yes. sense. They don't have a stupid consumer-ish mode dial on there. I mean, it doesn't have the flower or the running man or the mountain or anything, but come on. I think Canon got it more right, but we're both disappointed that having seen what Sony's done all these years, we at least thought it it wouldn't be up to maybe Sony's top level, but it would at least be like in the game. They're not even in the game right now. If you if you don't have a system that somebody would switch to from the one that's the, you know, really good one, then you don't have a system yet.
1: I think though, to to sum it up, you just said something that that sums it up perfectly. Canon got it more right. And that's really at the at the end. And if we're just talking now about Canon and Nikon versus Sony, because arguably that is what everyone's talking about. Canon got it more right than Nikon did, and I am more excited to see what, especially in the lens lineup. I'm very excited to see what what Canon's roadmap looks like uh, f- for that mount. But with that said, I do think it's also worth you know let's talk about Fujifilm because uh, I-, I think a lot of photographers immediately discount or dismiss Fujifilm because they are, they are their, their cameras use a cropped APS-C style sensor, which is smaller, obviously, than a full frame. But I will say that you know Fujifilm has been just crushing it. The X-T2 was a wildly popular camera. And in terms of if we're looking at, we can't really look at Canon and Icon here because they released first generation products. But so let's talk about iterative products. The X-T3 builds on the X-T2. In this respect, I would say that Fujifilm did a really nice job of putting out a meaningful update to a camera that's worth someone considering selling their XT2 to buy their XT3. They have the dual card slots. That's you know check that off. Um, they've they've uh, added a more powerful processor, uh, which increases uh, autofocus speed significantly. Uh, they also just in the the sensor itself has been improved, uh, and uh, they have autofocus technology which is great, uh, and they've always always been a very strong contender on the video side. I, I'm amazed that this camera can actually do 4K at 60 frames per second. I wish that I can do that, uh, and I would have loved to have seen Canon and Nikon put video features a little bit more, although Nikon did uh, has done some really impressive things with, with 4K video, but with that said, Sharky, listen. I, uh, I think Fujifilm, the thing about Fujifilm is not only are their cameras impressive, but they also have very, very, a uh, 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 very strong uh, lens lineup. So, what are your thoughts? Are you shoot Fuji?
0: Yeah. So, Fuji, well, first of all, Fuji. Is Fujifilm. They hate it when you call it Fuji. It's true. I, I've it's been, true. I, I've I've gotten so much crap from people that work from Fujifilm. They're like, it's Fujifilm. We want it to be just like the Z six and Z7 or not the Z six and Z7. They're very adamant. It's the Z, not the Z. Fujifilm wants to be called Fujifilm. Imagine that. I have the XT2, as everybody knows. Um, I have just one lens with it. Just one. I've got the 18 to 55 2A to F4. For what I use the XT2 for. That's perfectly fine for me. I can rent lenses, I can borrow lenses, whatever from borrow lenses even, but I'm sure. uh, they're not they're not <laughs> they're not sponsoring their show, but hey, there's a plug um Fujifilm has been making glass for decades, you know, for the pro market for. They're television cameras. They know what they're doing. They are excellent for being a crop sensor system. They are right there in the sweet spot. They are just beautiful, beautiful lenses. And you know what they did with this X-T3 is they didn't go crazy bumping up the megapixels. They went from like, what, what's the X-T2? The X-T2 is 24.3. I don't even care anymore how many megapixels I have. That's it's true. like, I don't yeah. even know. You, I know that my D700 is 12. After that, or 12.1 actually. After that, I I don't care. You know, I care when I buy it. After that, it's just whatever. They have improved so many things in this. They bumped up the megapixels just a little bit. I would much rather have more light gathering power, cleaner, higher ISOs. Remember, it's a crop system, so you're gonna have more noise than you are, you know, if you have a full frame system. So they just they beefed up everything. I hear the buttons are beefier. They the dials. There's a locking dial that's you know a little bit more uh, beefy around the uh, the ring on the left or the dial on the left there, and and well on the right too. They just made everything better the xt2 it's hard to explain i tell people this talk to an xt2 owner and it's kind of hard to put into words how you feel about this camera it's almost an emotional relationship it's just great it's just you feel something different than when you pick up your standard dslr or whatever it's just
1: well listen i mean i um you know when i first started shooting sony i Tried to get Nicole to to use it. She actually was even Sony even sent her on one of those influencer events that they that they did back in the day. Um, and she, to your point, she's stuck with Fujifilm because the way the care the ergonomics of the camera appeal to her. They make sense to her. You know, having control the shutter speed dial and uh, having an ISO dial uh is and an exposure you know EV dial. As opposed to with Sony and with these, you know, some other camera manufacturers where it's these, the, the dials are are kind of, they're nameless. They're, they're blank. They're just dials and you, you see the results through your, the rear LCD or through the EVF. One thing I do like about the Canon and Nikon that I would, I would love to see on Sony is that top little LCD display. I don't know. It, it kind of looks like an OLED display. Um, that shows you all of your settings. Uh, to me, I would, I personally would like to see that because otherwise, I either have to look at the LCD, the rear LCD, or the EVF. Um, same thing, with Fujifilm. Well, but with Fujifilm, it doesn't really matter because the aperture is on the lens, and then you've got the actual exposure controls actually on the dial. So, all in all, you know, I, I do. It, it is unfortunate that, um, and, and maybe it's not unfortunate is the right word, but I do. You know, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people kind of they see full frame and they have it synonymous with better image quality, which is not necessarily the case at all. I mean, uh, you know, Nicole would, would, would beg to differ greatly. You know, she's put out some amazing photos and so have, you know, all the, you know, many other Fuji, Fuji uh, Fujifilm uh, users, but I think they get, they just get the, the short end of the stick because it's a cropped sensor. And people just think that, they, they, I think a lot of users think that they're losing out on dynamic range or because, you know, a 20 megapixel crop sensor versus a 20 megapixel full frame sensor, they must be, you know, worse, you know, it must be worse off. But really, sensor technology plus the secret sauce software that especially Fujifilm has some pretty impressive uh, software for, pro, you know, image processing on camera.
0: Well, see, and it's a completely different sensor. It's an X-Trans sensor. Right. It's not a bear sensor. So it's it's apples. I was going to say it's literally apples and oranges, but then it would be apples, like literally the ones you eat and literally oranges. The it, it was designed from the ground up to be only a crop sensor system. It's not, see, I think people hear crop sensor and they think, you know, Canon Rebel. They think right. a, like right. a, a D, you know, 80 or D90 or whatever on the Nikon side you got it. You just have to get your head out of that headspace right there. Just get it out of there. This was designed from the ground up to be perfect for crop sensor. It was tuned for that. It does that unbelievably well. But here's my question, to you Brian? Sure. Do, it's not the one people think is coming. It's a different one. It's what is not on your gear shelf. That's the one they were thinking. Yes, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, wow, he's asking that already. (laughs) Like, whoa, I wasn't even done. Way to take control there. No. (laughs) What if Fujifilm goes full frame? Are they going to? Because now we're going to talk about this briefly in a second. Panasonic at the end of this month, I think it's September 25th, is going to announce, they've been rumored to announce a full frame system. And they've been famously micro four thirds.
1: Yeah. Which is even smaller than. Way
0: APSC. smaller. I mean, it's like almost like your actual thumbnail. <laughs> it's like right. it's tiny, but that doesn't hold back Levi Sim and Scott Bourne and everybody else. If you know how to shoot, it doesn't really matter. So is Fujifilm going to, is there upward pressure now that they're going to have to go full frame? My personal feeling is they will, they'll feel the pressure. They're going to be, you know, looking at the market, of course. They're not stupid, but I don't think they're going to. They are happy with the smaller market that they have, that is way more loyal. Who would never consider going to Sony and the others because you're
1: happy with your camera, Sharky. But don't forget that Fujifilm has the GFX, which is a medium format, fifty-one megapixel medium format. So that's larger than Sony, Canon, Nikon. Uh, the, you know, any any full frame they have. a a giant sensor camera which has been out and you know there's rumors that a mark ii should be coming out you know at some point uh i know like uh there are several people like adrian murray who's you know does amazing work he's he's the gfx nicole fujifilm sent nicole one before it was announced um and i got to play with it a little bit and it's you know it's an impressive camera with that said it's it's huge it's heavy the lenses the native lenses are massive um, so and not
0: cheap it's me no, it's made them for me no. it's the gfx 50s specifically
1: yeah and on amazon i'm looking now it's 5850 bucks so and that's been this camera has been out now for uh, quite a bit you know at least a year um and so with that being said listen i i i don't know how to you know without being a hypocrite because i i i'll tell you straight up i uh, fujifilm uh sent me Uh, an XC2 a while ago Um, shortly after I left the artisans program and I wasn't bound to only shoot Sony uh, they sent me one and I enjoyed it but I had become it wasn't just a it wasn't just the camera it was also the lenses that I, I just I'm very comfortable with with my Sony system and with that also being said it's like listen how how many cameras you know do you have to just if you have a camera, uh, you know, and it's somewhat capable, I would focus more on the lenses. To me, the lenses are always, will always be more uh, of more important of a conversation. I personally, the Fujifilm I know is not for me, at least not the, the X-T three or the X-T two rather, because I, I it wasn't, I, I just wasn't feeling it. Uh, with that said, I did get shots. I remember using it and I got shots. that I was very happy with, uh, but I know plenty of people who absolutely love the X-T2. And I know Nicole pre-ordered the X-T3. Uh, David Amell, who's a listener and he writes for Android Authority, uh, he pre-ordered the X-T3. So there are, I mean, Fujifilm has a very loyal group of people. In fact, I have several, you know, there's a contingent here in Portland of photographers. They have their own Fujifilm club, a meetup. Uh, there's no Sony meetup that I know of. Uh, and they're, you know, I, I do think that of all the camera companies, Fujifilm does the best job of fostering a certain, a particular culture with their users. Um, and I'm not talking about Sony's like their Alpha Collective or the like that. that's that, to me, I, I don't know. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about its users and their, the relationship between the users and the manufacturer.
0: Fujifilm has figured out how to create a camera, the XT2 specifically, and now the XT3 that evokes like feelings. Like I said, it's just, just ask an X-T2 user and they'll just tell you. It's like, like my D700, that was a special camera. Levi Sims still has my D700 and he used to be a D700 shooter as well. It's been around the world now. And uh, so it's just, it was a special camera. There's every once in a while you have a camera like that where you're like, wow, this is just, I feel something about this camera. That's just short of being creepy. Yep. Just. It's just a great camera. It ticks all the boxes. And Fujifilm's known for coming out with these firmware updates that add more functionality, okay. improve the, uh, the system. They just and Sony and the others don't do that. It's like they, they want you to buy a new camera. Fujifilm has figured out, let's make their current camera better. And then eventually they'll get another one or a second one and they'll be loyal. They're working on loyalty and customer care and service. And that's just wonderful.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's, I agree with you 100% Fujifilm. In terms of uh, releasing firmware updates, the stuff that they've done has been nothing short of just mind-blowing. You know, cameras are, for the most part, just they're very dumb devices when you think of the software. You know, the, this firmware is built to control exposure and various other, you know, uh, image processing uh, processes.
0: It's the and, same camera five years from yes. now as when you bought it. Except yes. for Fujifilm.
1: Right. Fujifilm adds meaningful updates, uh, You know, whether it's uh, video-related updates over, or adding completely new features uh, or or adding things that makes it a more kind of competitive or, or on par with even you know Sony's full-frame cameras.
0: Well, they improve the autofocus. I was just a few minutes ago checking out the old X-T1 page on Fujifilm, and it's got a, like a brand new you know, not too long ago uh, firmware update that improves the autofocus. So if your autofocus wasn't as good as it could be, they fixed that and they can do that with software. Yep. So if they can fix it with firmware, Fujifilm's going to do it. If Sony and the others can, they're going to wait till the next model for you to buy.
1: <laughs> I will say that Sony, the one, there was one time where Sony made a really interesting update with firmware, and that was when they added uh, uncompressed RAW retroactively to their older A7 cameras, because that was something that a lot of photographers were... I don't know that they necessarily (laughs) knew why they needed to have uncompressed RAW. They just figured that they want, you know...
0: Well, it was missing from their cameras, and it was in most other DSLRs and, and cameras. So it was something that was lacking that they could then fix. It's like, for instance, I can't remember. I think it's the the... I think of the Canon EOS R, you're going to be able to, uh, I think you can only do eye autofocus in single shot mode, but soon there's going to be a firmware update to let you do it in continuous, one of those kind of things. So they're going to be
1: fixing that soon. Sure. I mean, listen, altogether, it is an interesting time. It was a very busy few weeks for these manufacturers. And I'll even go, I want to give a shout out to DJI, who, you know, in terms of like the drone side of things, uh, I, uh, I think I made the Mavic 2 Pro my pick two episodes ago or last episode, but I have been using it more and I had the original Mavic Pro. And I will say, you know, in terms of, if we're ta- again, like we've talked about with Fuji, if we're talking about a company that iterates from one generation to another, I want to give DJ- DJI, in my opinion, gets the, the, the award. They iterated on the Mavic Pro line in such meaningful ways, especially I have the Mavic 2 Pro, not the Zoom which, you know, the Pro gives me a one-inch sensor and, and it gives me the Hasselblad optics. I have, I'm I'm just be, beside myself with how much better this drone is. So, you know, w- with that, Sharky, I mean, w- again, like you said, Photokin is coming, Panasonic's rumored to do stuff, Sony's supposedly gonna be announcing some stuff. So I'm sure we have more, we'll have even more to talk about. But for now, you know, the Canon and Icon stuff is out of the bag. We know, we, we clearly have our, our opinions that we've shared here. I, I will End it on I'm just excited to see one, I want to see the lenses that both companies continue to release, and two, what their Mark IIs, the EOS R Mark II and the Z, I assuming they go with the same models, the Z seven, Z six, Mark IIs. That to me is where I would say, you know, let's and and unfortunately we have to wait, but I would I would be willing to I would be willing to bet that within 18 months. I was gonna say 12 months, but I think 18 months we'll see those new updates.
0: I disagree. I think it's going to be a year less because they know they have to keep iterating and improving. Like two card slots. <laughs> <laughs> they have to, right? So they, they're listening to all the gripes and they're, not that they're going to listen to me, but I know that people from Canon and all the companies obviously listen to the Penipixel Photography Podcast and they know what the gripes are. They have to come out with something quicker. That's what Sony did, right? Mind share and market share. They had to keep coming out with new bodies like crazy. And if you bought an a7R, you were ticked off when the a7R Mark II came out five days later. Well, it seemed like that, right? But now they've slowed things down. Canon and Nikon have to speed things up because they are so far behind. The Mark IIs are where they should have been with these original bodies and they didn't do that they could have but they did not do that now but here's what i want to ask you we're gonna we are going we do not want to go super long but we'll we'll go quick on our on our uh, gear picks but what i want to ask you is everyone poo-pooed not everyone a lot of people dslr shooters poo-pooed mirrorless for years we've been talking about that on my show for years do you think that people have now turned the corner? Not just the fanboys, but people who really enjoy their Canon and Nikon are going, "You know what? Maybe Sharky and and uh everybody everybody else out there at this point is correct. F- mirrorless is the future. You can add things in a mirrorless camera that you can't ever have in a DSLR because that darn mirror is in the way. Like I've been telling people <laughs> that for years. Like this is the future, but people, I think it's because they were afraid. It was like, "Well, what I have, it's like you, you bought a like a You know, like, uh, I don't know, you bought a a Mustang a couple years ago and a really great new model came out and you're like, well, mine's not good anymore. No, yours is still good. Yours, your camera, your DSLR is going to still work for a number of years, but you're probably going to want to get over into mirrorless, just like Adobe wants us to go to the cloud on everything. Eventually, these camera companies know just by sales. Look at how Sony took the number one spot, right? This is what they want you to do. They're going to get you into mirrorless, and they're going to keep coming out with these versions that are just blowing your mind. Things that your DSLR don't have, and like I said, the EVF is to the point now. I've talked to you know like Jordan Drake from uh, well now it's DP Review TV. It used to be with the what with the you know camera store up in uh, Canada, and they're like, you know what? You look through the viewfinder, it's like you're using a DSLR. Like, hardly do you notice that it's you're actually looking at a little screen. So we've gotten to the point where the experience is the same, except for you have more features, well, in the Sony system, than you do in Canon and Nikon mirrorless. So I recommend to people, if you wanted to go mirrorless and you don't have a lot of lenses, go Sony. If you don't care about crop sensor, then go Fujifilm. Otherwise, wait to the Mark IIs and see where they're at. And if those suck in compared to what Sony has out there at the time, then jump over to Sony. But if they're starting to get close and you can hang in there, you're if you don't need the latest and greatest, which you don't, you're just fine.
1: Yeah. I agree. I mean, we we'll see, uh I will say that the kind of I don't know <laughs> legacy shooters or DSLR shooters eventually will migrate over for a, a variety of different reasons, one of which I suspect you will start to see and you see this with Sony. I mean, these these manufacturers will eventually deprioritize the innovation on the product line for DSLRs. I mean, look, look at Sony. They haven't touched their DSLR. They have all but abandoned it. And uh, you're talking about
0: the a mount stuff, which is kind of like a DSLR. It's kind of like a hybrid kind of thing. I've been saying, I, th- I looked back, it was October of 2015. It was the early days of this sh- of my show, the Petapixel Photography Podcast, just a month in, where I proclaimed the Sony A-mount system not to be dead, but to have zombie status. It still kind of looks alive every once in a while, it comes back at you, but have they released any bodies any in in the like last year or so? Not really. They don't get you. The know, Sony artisans don't talk about them. That system is being deprecated. They just haven't officially done it yet. You know? Yeah. And so
1: like you said, well, Sharky, Sharky, what they're, they're number one. What do you, what they're Sony took the number one spot. So there, I mean, and it had nothing to do with the a 99 had nothing to do with their DSLRs. It had to do with the fact that they put all their emphasis, all their attention in mirrorless and it paid off and i'm sure canon and icon <laughs> saw that and they're like oh man
0: but part part of that was that they had that they uh canon and icon hadn't had a new body in the last quarter or whatever so you know and sony whatever whenever the the period was that they calculated it there was more sony sold than there were canon and Nikon. so that's i suspect that'll change
1: next quarter or whatever maybe i mean you're you're absolutely right i mean uh it could be a, a one-hit wonder or a fluke type of thing for sure, but the fact that they were able to make it to number one regardless is very impressive. And yeah, I, I just think that what I would recommend to listeners who shoot DSLR who kind of want to give it a shot, go to your local camera store, especially now with like Canon and Nikon, Fuji or Fujifilm and possibly Panasonic. Uh, they're making the rounds. Their sales reps, uh, their regional sales reps are going to the local camera stores and setting up events where you can go in and try them out. So I recommend doing that. Sharky also kind of touched on renting, you know, once the inventory is out there, uh, you know, you, you want to rent, but listen, I, I have to say it like there's nothing wrong with DSLR inherently, but when you see what the, the kind of technological benefits that a mirrorless camera gives you, I'm not talking about light or small or forget that that is not anything that either Sharky nor I care about, but there are some very serious features that You know, technology features that only mirrorless cameras can give you. When you give yourself a shot to try that, I I promise you, it's like, oh, okay, you know, this is, I see now.
0: Not to be disparaging, but if you're still shooting a DSLR, that's great. I do as well, the D850. But if you think that, mirrorless is just not ready it's just it's a toy you're just not dealing with reality these days that might a couple years ago you could have made the argument that it felt you know kind of chintzy the autofocus didn't work as well and it's not fully there but it's pretty darn close just look at all the pros who aren't being paid by sony who've jumped over to sony these days if you're shooting video you might have shot on the gh5 you know from panasonic before but now you're probably shooting a sony just go online and, and look at your favorite photographers who aren't sponsored by a company. And a lot of them switched over to Sony. That might tell you something.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: That, we put a fine point on it. Gear, gear, gear. Oh,
1: well, listen, I think it's, it was a healthy conversation. And I think it's worth having. So, Sharky.
0: What, Brian?
1: What's on your gear shelf?
0: What's on my gear shelf? And full disclosure, they sent it to me. Is uh, Okay, so vflatworld.com, the letter V, flatworld.com. You can get those on B&H and I think Adorama now. For $195.99, you can get a white on one side, black on the other side, foldable V-flat. And the great thing about this, okay, so Brian, have you ever made one? I have in the past, and I tell you, it is a pain, and you can't travel with it very well.
1: Yeah, V flats. I mean, for those, it's it's kind of like these. uh, Nicole has several of them, but they're kind of like the the kind of like gator boards, or like kind of foam
0: core. They're foam core. Yeah,
1: they're like white walls meant to either create a seamless background or to serve as a kind of a a bounce.
0: Yeah. Mostly people use it as a reflector. So you've got white on one side to bounce light. You've got black on the other side to do subtractive lighting. If you ever followed Dean Collins back in the day, RIP Dean Collins, he was a great guy. You could take a light away from a scene and do some tests and you'll see the difference. So they sent me a double pack. So I've got two sets of V flats that goes for 379 bucks. So V flats are what you want to get if you're doing portraiture. And the great thing about these is they attach, you know, on top of each other. You can fold them over. You can put them, they're going to have a case that's coming out pretty soon. They're so easy. You can fit them, you know, if you don't have an SUV, that's okay. Just open your back doors of your car, slide it in there behind the seats, you know, they'll lean at an angle or so. They won't block your vision and they'll be good to go. They're like, I don't know, like six, seven feet tall, whatever. So three and a half, whatever feet tall, you know, when you fold them up. They're great. They're selling a ton of them, I understand. They're selling out like all the time because this is a problem solver. And they were created by, you know, photographers and such. And there you go, vflatworld.com. They're not too expensive. Take care of them. Don't get them dirty. They'll last you for years. So, Brian, what's on your gear shelf?
1: Well, Sharky, what's on my gear shelf actually is kind of, it goes very, very much hand in hand with, with your pick. Uh, so whenever I record videos you know i what I like to do I like to keep the lighting as consistent as possible I have a very kind of uh regimented uh setup here in my office with and I use a combination of a variety of different phillips hue lights uh which actually could be a, a good pick for a future episode but uh my main the main light that's always for me the most important one and uh I, I tried using like a, a variety of different like flat LED panels you can buy them on amazon like you know those kind of like knockoff brands from like china and stuff and they're great those are great for just if you just need a small fill light just something to put out some light but i decided to to bite the bullet and i went with this uh a light by aperture and it's not aperture like lens aperture it's Aperture. a-p-u-t-u-r-e and it's the c120d and d is for daylight balanced uh and it goes you get it with this light dome or you have to order that separately, but it's kind of a huge kind of octo box. it's
0: like a deep uh, octa kind of yeah kind of a little deep
1: yeah, but I love this thing. it puts out uh, beautiful light, consistent light and it's, it's, it's very soft because of the the modifier on the front of it and so it uh, it, it supports uh, either battery or power, you know wall power so you can take it with you uh, and it's just a, a really powerful, very versatile Uh, Light if you're looking for consistent kind of studio light, so that's my pick.
0: Awesome! And how much is that roughly?
1: Uh, It's about 600 bucks, or like 550, uh, depending on where you get it from. Actually, I just saw it used on Adorama for 550. I'm going to Amazon right now, so it's 645, 645 dollars.
0: Awesome! I've been I've talked about aperture stuff before. I have a couple of Amorans, like you know, before I started up my the Petapixel Photography Podcast. When it was a shark photography podcast, I was doing videos as well. And uh, so I bought a couple of their light panels and they're great. They're great. They're photographers. It's another another company that was created by photographers solving problems for photographers. And we don't get anything for that. Well, we get free stuff every once in a while. Right. But you paid for that aperture.
1: I sure did. <laughs> yeah, I bought it because, uh, in fact, they had just released, I think, a C300 at the time, which is twice as much. Um, but it put out even more light uh i ended up returning it i didn't even take it out of the box i just returned it back to b and ordered the 120 because i felt like it was overkill for what i needed but i i actually uh you know i i've seen a bunch of youtubers use this particular uh, light and that's what kind of got it's like if it's good for them it'll be good for me and i've used it a bunch it's never you know it's been great so so that's my pick awesome
0: you know, that was not only a great pick, I think this was a great show. What do you say, Brian, if we say so ourselves?
1: We do say so ourselves.
0: <laughs> so before we clap it out and all that, why don't you tell people where they can find you and where they can find us?
1: Happily. So Sharky, uh, I, if anyone wants to learn more about what we talked about uh, on this episode or any other episode, I highly recommend you go to no name nonamephotoshow.com. That's where all of our show notes are, links to all the stories that we reference, uh, as well as all of our gear picks. Uh, and that, again, is no name And we are at no name online. For me personally, uh, my website is matiash.com, M A T I A S H.com. And I am at Brian Matiash, B R I A N M A T I A S H, on all the socials. Sharky, how about you?
0: All right. So you can find me on the socials, as you say, at Lens Shark, not Lens Shark. Again, I have to say this every time. I'm not responsible for what that guy says. So Lens Shark, two S's in there. And of course, once again, I host the Petapixel Photography Podcast, dot com slash podcast, or in whatever app you're using right now. And uh, got a big announcement coming up the end of September. And you can't see Brian on the video, but
1: he's like, oh, I thought we made it through an episode without you
0: mentioning it. I hate you
1: because no, I can't I'm tell him. <laughs> I'm, I want to know what it is. He hasn't told me, actually.
0: It is. Well, I signed an NDA and I have ethics just like you there do. You so go. it's uh, it's huge. It's uh, it's huge. It's huge. Cool. Someone Whoa. someone's like, you're going to DP review. No, don't start that rumor. <laughs> I'm a petapixel guy. So cool. Anyhow, what do you say, Brian, that we clap it out? I'm down. All right, here we go. I'm up. Ready? One, two. We'll fix it in post.
1: No, we won't. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the No Name Photo Show. Sharky and I would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend. How about we do this again in the next episode? Yeah, let's do that.